Hello and welcome to Bit Party, a show where we take minor details from popular movies and use them to create ideas for new movies that we then sell to Hollywood for $4 million. This week, we go to Sakaar to see the contest of champions and meet our hero. This is Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> I forgot it. <laughs> this is like I forgot. This is the only part that I have to do. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening to Bit Party. My name is Brendan Cotta. My name is Jared Cotta, and I'm Marshall Cotta. Well, Cotta brothers, we've made it to the last episode of season two. I didn't think we were gonna do it. Nope. I thought we were gonna be canceled. Yeah, I was pretty sure that the network would cancel us, but they <laughs> let us back. For the entirety of a season two, and we're already looking at uh, season three, yep. um, and uh, this has been a really awesome second season because we've introduced a lot of new shorts, and we saw some really cool movies that some of us had never seen before, and uh, I would like to, to take this time to play this slideshow of the, <laughs> of the movies and the, and the moments that we had during this season. If you all just like uh, watch this, it's only about ten minutes. <laughs> These are all just pictures of us with headphones on. <laughs> yeah. Marshall, what was your favorite part of the second season of Bit Party? My favorite part was seeing the new movies, getting the opportunity to uh, pick a movie. We got to do Full Metal Jacket. I had a lot of fun with that movie. Me too. That was one of my favorite episodes. Brendan, what was, a, what was something that stood out to you about this season? I love all of our episodes, but the guest episodes in particular with Jamie and Arthur and T. Coop. I thought those really stood out. Those were really fun. I think any time where we had somebody pick their favorite movie was awesome. Uh, like Marshall was saying, when he picked Full Metal Jacket, he really shined in that movie, mm -hmm. uh, or on that episode. And the same goes for whenever we had somebody new on. And I, I really liked doing some of our short episodes. I like that we're going to see contemporary movies, yeah. uh, and we're, we're really giving our audience a lot more content. So it's just, it's cool, you know, practice makes perfect, and, and this is uh, one of those things where you think you're really good at being funny and cool, and then you start listening to yourself editing, you're <laughs> editing yourself for hours, and you're like, wow, I'm not really that funny. But It gives you something to aspire to and like, exactly, work towards. Exactly, with practice, you might be a little bit funny. <laughs> and I feel like we're, we're just now getting a little bit funny. Yeah. Marshall. Yes. What movie did we watch for this episode? For the final episode of season two, we watched Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, we're on this Marvel game. Yep. Yeah, we did Iron Man the first in our final episode of season one, and mm -hmm. we wanted to keep with the Marvel theme, uh, so we're, we're back to another Disney film. This makes, I can't count. We'll have to figure it out. We'll figure it out. We've done a lot of Disney movies, and rightfully so, because it's a fantastic company. Please buy our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Give us money. Before we jump into the plot summary, I have to ask, because there has been a lot of really cool media out lately, mm -hmm. what are you all watching in your spare time? Brendan? I've really gotten into the new Hulu show, Castle Rock. 
Mm. It's kind of based Ooh. in the, the Stephen King universe that he's built in Maine. And it almost has a kind of Twin Peaksy small town with a lot of mysteries that you sort out throughout the series kind of feel. Yeah. So I, I really like that. I think it's really well written. Um, the characters are great. And um, I, I highly recommend Castle Rock. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a cool show. I've been watching that with you. And one of our friends actually helped make that show a cameraman oh what uh david kilgore shout out to him but i i think that it's a really cool uh a series absolutely i was almost like not surprised but i don't usually think of hulu first for original content mm -hmm. but this one is like mm. it's blowing me away with each episode marshall what are you watching in your spare time when you're not watching thor ragnarok <laughs> when, when i'm not watching thor ragnarok interestingly Netflix has been adding a couple game shows to uh, yeah, to the list. So I watched the one called Idiot Test, and that I, one's really I've fun. Never heard of that. Yeah, that one's really fun because um, I really enjoy trying to solve the puzzles for myself. Um, they're super interesting because they're all ones that you have to read really, really closely because they all have uh, homophones in them, which are words spelled and sound like other words. But you need to read them in context, so it's it's super interesting. Got to pay attention. Nice, huh? Oh, that's really cool. Well, How do you usually do on them? I do somewhat better than the contestants on the show, so that's good enough nice. for me. That's enough. Well, you have a pretty good track record of uh, Netflix game show recommendations. What with nailed it. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna yes. have to check out uh, Idiot Test. Let me tell you what I've been watching. I have signed on to this media explosion about fire festival documentaries. <laughs> Hulu and Netflix both have one out. I, I watched the Netflix one, and let me tell you, it really lived up to standards. It was such an incredible look at the debacle that was fire festival. I was already living in Miami when that festival was being hyped up. No way. And so people were asking me, oh, are you going to fly over to the Bahamas to attend this potentially amazing festival? And I was like, nah, I don't think so. It's like wildly expensive. And I'm so glad that I didn't <laughs> overspend and try to get to this event. Because uh, as, as we all know now, it was a complete disaster. And the guy who put it on is in jail. And uh, somehow Ja Rule got off scot-free. But yeah, <laughs> nobody looks good in, in this documentary. I mean, could you tell that it wasn't going to, like, early on, could they have known, like, this is going to go horribly? No, if that guy... There was some issues in the beginning that you could have predicted that there was going to be issues with uh, some of the infrastructure and those things. But mm -hmm. I think that once people started to sign on, it was just it became a mismanagement of funds and, oh, and time prioritization uh -huh. where like you, you could have put something together. Yeah. But just like cutting corners and not giving yourself enough time to do the festival, even if they had said, hey, we're pushing it back another 10 weeks. Yeah, they might have been able to put it on. So I think it's just like a lot of this mix of ego and laziness. Yeah, that that really led to its downfall. It potentially wow. could have been interesting. That's really interesting. But it was a great, it's a great documentary. And of course, the best story is the the blowjob king the guy who <laughs> decides he's going to go down to customs and suck dick for Evian water. But everybody's already been talking about that. What do you say? Uncharted medical travel through a volatile cosmic gateway. Talk about an adventure. We need a ship. Let's get the fuck into this movie, bruh. This is arguably the best movie we've done for many reasons that we'll get into. Yeah, well, 
Yeah. But I just want to say up front, I loved this movie. You've already watched it at least four times. Oh, yeah. It has... And each time, it keeps getting funnier. It is a it is a good movie, and it is a slight escape from the other Thor uh, movies in the series. Definitely, and they're they're very clearly the weakest films I think in the Marvel Cinematic Universe until this one. Until this one, the director uh, Taika Waititi really identified what was wrong with the original or with the first two Thor movies, and did a good job of going as far away from that as possible, mm. like making it known from the first scene. This is funny. We're going to use the fact that Chris Hemsworth is great in comedy roles, Mm -hmm. and we're going to make this way more exciting than the past two. Yeah. Awesome. So picture this. It's two years after the disaster in Sokovia, Mm -hmm. where the Avengers really screwed the pooch. (laughs) Killed a bunch of people in an attempt to save the world. They saved the world. Which they ended up doing. I mean, to be fair. Anyways, Thor has disappeared to clear his head, but he is in a hot battle with the demon, the fire demon, Surtur. And Surtur is saying that the prophecy is about to be fulfilled in which he creates Ragnarok. Basically, the end of Asgard, which in mythology is the, the crumbling of, of like the kingdom of the gods. Yeah, and the end of the world. And the, uh, it's sort of like the end of that realm. Yeah, yeah. Um, because right. the the universe is split up into multiple realms in uh, Norwegian mythology. All of this, which I learned from God of War. So <laughs> it, was, it was easy for mm-hmm. me to put the characters that I knew from God of War into the characters that I saw in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> so Thor defeats Surtur, and he believes that he's prevented Ragnarok. And when he returns to Asgard, he finds that his brother, Loki, who's another character in the Avengers universe, has uh, been posing as Odin, god of, of Asgard. Yes, yeah. The king. Who's, who's yeah, their father, the yeah. Chris Hemsworth then goes to New York and uh, meets up with uh, Stephen Strange, another Avenger. Yep. And finds out that Odin is on his deathbed, essentially, in Norway. So Odin is, is found there by both Loki and Thor, and he tells him that some serious shit is about to go down, and do not be worried about the beginning of Ragnarok. It is upon us, Ragnarok. Which, to Thor, seems like the ultimate worst thing that could possibly happen. Anyways, at this point, he also explains that once he passes away, then Hela, the like most powerful evil god yeah. that was also a child of Odin, will be unleashed. She's the goth fabulous god of death. That's exactly right. She's the (laughs) god of death and she's super goth. And she is going to take over Asgard, which is her greatest ambition. And she's going to cast Thor out of the realms. And she's shown how much stronger that she is than both Thor and Loki early on because Thor tries to attack her with his hammer and she cracks it. Yeah. She She cracks Mjolnir. Yep. She breaks his hammer. And I think it's worth noting as well that she ruled with Odin before Thor and Loki came into the picture. I was his weapon in the conquest that built Asgard's empire. She was ruling with Odin when he was trying to capture all of the realms, when he was a warmonger. I thought that was an interesting subtext to the movie, kind of revealing Asgard's dark past. Mm -hmm. Well, she casts Thor out into, into space. And Thor crash lands on a new planet called Sakaar. And this is where the story really picks up. This is where it gets so good. This is where it gets so good. Because he is captured by a crafty scrapper 
on this trash world <laughs> named Scrapper142. And when Scrapper142 captures Thor, she sells him to the Grand Master. Oh my god. Played by none other than Jeff Goldblum. Oh, he's so oh, good Jeff Goldblum. Oh my god. This is so awesome. He plays the Grandmaster, which is basically just him playing himself. Everything he says, you could tell that that's straight off the Jeff Goldblum dome. Pro yeah, he probably wrote his own script. He was just allowed to improv almost everything, we assume. We assume. And just like the introduction to him, Thor goes through this tunnel where they somehow play Willy Wonka music. <laughs> and just prepare you for the majesty that is meeting Jeff Goldblum. Sakaar lives on the edge of the known and unknown. It is the collection point for all lost and unloved things. Like you. This is one of Jeff Goldblum's most amazing roles in many years. I would, yeah, I think that's true. I'm a huge fan. And I think it's because like, he's obviously famous enough now to where he can be himself, which is kind of this weird, eccentric mm -hmm. person. I am the god of Oh, I didn't hear any thunder, but out of your fingers, was that like sparkles? So Thor has been sold to Jeff Goldblum <laughs> as a gladiator, and he is to fight in the contest of champions. It is about this time, when he is visited a few times by Scrapper142, that he realizes that that trash person is none other than one of the Valkyries. It must be a traitor or a coward because the Valkyrie is sworn to protect the throne. This is Sakaar, not Asgard, and I'm a scrapper, not a Valkyrie. So Thor is going to possibly be the new champion, but first he has to defeat the current ultimate champion. And he's very nervous to fight this individual, but it turns out to be none other than Hulk, Bruce Banner. He's been the Hulk for two years Two at this years, point. exactly. We know each other. He's a friend from work. After their battle, Thor and Hulk have some time together in the Grandmaster's Champion Suite. Yep. And Thor, after much begging and pleading, convinces the Valkyrie and Hulk to escape. Yep, yep. He wants to get back to Asgard. Exactly. To protect from Ragnarok. I'm putting together a team. It's me, you, and the big guy. No, no team, only Hulk! It's me and you. So they go on an epic escape plan. Destroy a lot of the Grandmaster's ships. Escape <laughs> in one of Jeff Goldblum's orgy yachts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. And they make it back to Asgard. And it's here where they are embarking on their final great battle with Hela. Hela is extremely powerful. And what Hela can do is just fling blades in all directions. So they have, they stand like no chance still because they can't beat Hela and her barrage of sword throwing. And so they seem to be at an impasse here. They cannot defeat this amazing warrior, but they can ensure that her power, which is connected to Asgard, is destroyed if they destroy Asgard. And how do you do that? You start Ragnarok. So in an unbelievable decision by Thor and Loki, they unleash Surtur, they give him his power, and as soon as his sword crashes into Asgard, Ragnarok begins. Yep. Fortunately, they've taken the citizens of Asgard and they've loaded them onto a uh, escape ship. And the message is, as they leave uh, crumbling Asgard, that your home is not a place. Mm -hmm. It is where your people are together. I like when a Marvel movie has a theme of you can't just be your powers and your title and your role. You have to be something bigger. Mm -hmm. Like him losing 
his hammer and losing his home is similar to when Tony Stark tells Spider-Man, um, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have the suit at all. Yeah. Like, you need to be strong and be um, something even when you're not a superhero. Even though it seems a little formulaic, that story is always resonating. Yeah. And I think that no matter what characters you put into those positions, it's always a compelling, uh, like, human side of these uh, incredibly powerful individuals. Exactly. Yeah, it makes makes them human. Exactly. That's interesting. You can't defeat me. No, I know. (sighs) But he can't. Well, we've done it. We've taken an inside look at the first Jeff Goldblum movie in Bit Party history. First of many. And it was delightful. Oh my gosh. I cannot, like, if for him alone, he is honestly fantastic. Not just because we fangirl over Jeff Goldblum, but he really is terrific in this movie. My name is Grandmaster. I preside over a little harlequinade called the Contest of Champions. We mentioned that the themes of Marvel movies is consistent. Mm-hmm. And, and somewhat formulaic, although always wonderful. But one thing that I wanted to illustrate is that they love to do the dead dad prophecy trope. Yeah. They bring it up all the time. It's like, if you are about to die, then your dad, who has died right before you, will come <laughs> and tell you everything's going to be okay. Just do this thing. <laughs> This is amazing. They, they love that. They did it in Black Panther. I guess that this movie came out right before Black Panther, so Black Panther copied Thor Ragnarok. But but that is what Marvel thinks the afterlife looks like. Yeah. It's talking to your dad in an empty field. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite part? Um, other than Jeff Goldblum's criminally seductive Lord of Thunder line, my other favorite line is when uh, uh, Thor is talking to... Korg, who is one of the other gladiators, yeah. about fighting this mysterious grand champion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Korg tells him, hey, you sound a lot like Doug, who's the guy that he points to in the corner who's dead. Like, he's been smashed by the Hulk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Doug used to say exactly what you're saying. Hey, everyone, he's the new Doug. And so now, to me, this movie will forever be known as New Doug Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what Doug used to say. See you later, New Doug I wonder if Korg is almost poking fun at the fact that Disney doesn't have the Fantastic Four franchise yet. (laughs) Because it's a rock creature that's very similar in appearance to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. But is blue instead. (laughs) And I'm wondering if that's like their their dig at the at whoever's holding on to that That property. Yeah, that property. Yeah, I wonder. Do do they own that property yet? I think that that's one of the ones that they have they may be just now acquiring. Yeah, I don't think they've gotten all of the Fox properties yet, but Mm -hmm. I think that might have been a Fox property. Bren, you wanted to talk about this director before we uh, move on to our pitches, because this was one of his first major motion picture roles, besides some artistic films that I think were released for film festivals and and primarily in uh, Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, now he's kind of getting a chance, thanks to Disney. Yeah, he clearly showed a lot of talent in this movie. Taika Waititi, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If you look at his previous filmography... Like you said, there's nothing huge, no box office smashes, um, but he clearly got in good with Disney because he's supposed to direct The Mandalorian, which is a new Star Wars movie that'll be coming out down the line about Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a huge get for him, and I'm, I'm excited. And after seeing this, I like his style a lot, and I think that he'll um, bring something, a really interesting tone 
to one of the most liked but also most mysterious characters in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to what... It looks like that's going to be a TV series, but oh, interesting. We'll see. It's in filming right now, and uh, that's... Boba Fett's obviously one of the favorite characters in Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, I think that mm-hmm. this director is really great, and uh, I like that he is Jewish. Oh, yeah, he's Jewish? Yeah. <laughs> he's Jewish. Perfect. That's awesome. In, um, but in, yeah. other films, in other films, he is credited as Taika Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> It seems that that criminally seductive Lord of Thunder has stolen him away. Seductive God of Thunder. We need to move. It's time to pitch our new movies. And I think that there were a lot of excellent characters. Again, every time we come across a superhero film, it's a little bit tough because there's already been so much fan fiction and spinoffs and uh, diversion in, in different plots. Yeah. So Almost it, none of which we know. Yeah, and we can only Wikipedia so much and get so deep <laughs> into that. But I think that we've picked some really good characters for this one, and uh, I think we're ready to pitch some some winners. Yeah. Back to Disney, of course. Before we pitch our characters, I just want to let it be known to the audience that there's obviously one bit part that stole all of our hearts, and that Mm -hmm. was the Grandmaster Jeff Goldblum. Obviously. Obviously. But he's going to be in our movies anyway. It'd be too easy to cast him, and there's nothing left to do with that character. He did it perfectly. Exactly. So I'm going to say we can't pick Jeff Goldblum for our big parts. It has to be someone else from this movie. That's tough, but I agree with you. Fair. hard. Fair. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first. I feel, I feel like mine is really strong, so I want to get it out there to just set the bar high for you guys. Shit. Let's get one thing clear. This is much less a Marvel movie than it is a Star Wars movie. To me, it seems like. So you would like, okay... You'd like it to have that feel a little more. Yeah, because I honestly felt like Thor Ragnarok had that feel. I could see that. I feel, especially once he gets to Sakaar. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. this is Mos Eisley. Yeah. You're doing the Mos Eisley Cantina thing. Yeah, yeah. So my pitch is centered around not exactly a small role, but I think a role that leaves a lot to be fleshed out. Um, it's centered around the Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. I thought she was an incredible character. Yeah. The actress, Tessa Thompson, who played her, she's also known for being in the Creed movies. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. And what really drew me to her is that she's basically this movie's Han Solo. You don't know a ton about her past, but you meet her as this hard-drinking, hard-fighting badass who is in it for herself and wants to make money. Basically a character that has exiled themselves. Exactly. And is now a, a bounty hunter. Type. Exactly. And even follows Han Solo's storyline of, in the end, she devotes herself to a bigger cause. Uh-huh. What I want to do with this character is take it back. All we see about her past is that all of the other Valkyries were killed by Hela and her infinite swords. So I want to pick it up right after that scene, see why she survived that encounter, The way I see it, maybe she did something that she's not entirely proud of, like hid under the bodies of her fellow Valkyries. And then her Mm. coming out of it and exiling herself to become this ruler of Sakaar the Trash Planet. And even befriending Jeff Goldblum, I think that would be an interesting part. So that's my background story for unnamed Valkyrie, the Han Solo of Thor Ragnarok. You know, I used to want to be a Valkyrie when I was younger, until I found out the two old women... I like like that a lot. That's really good. I like it. Now that I've raised that bar, I'm curious to see how you guys leap over it. Yeah. 
Well, I'll go next. <laughs> you sound so confident. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Marsh. Yeah. All right. So my character is a character that Brendan brought up earlier. I'm going to do mine on Korg, one of my favorites. So my story about Korg is going to be him staging a revolution. He's tried once before, uh, but he's so passionate about it, uh, so gung-ho, so he's going to try again. He's going to find a bunch of people in the arena to try and help him out, and he will get nowhere, end up back in the arena (laughs) being a ringer. What I like about that is I feel like it has a lot of comedy potential. I like the idea of Korg as someone who's very passionate about change, but maybe not smart enough to do it. Mm-hmm. He, it's like the idea he, that he would stage a revolution and like maybe the Grandmaster doesn't even realize because he's so bad at it. Yeah. It's really <laughs> funny to me. Well, because we learn in Thor Ragnarok that he staged a revolution on his home planet, but didn't print enough pamphlets. And so nobody came except his mom and his mom's boyfriends. <laughs> I didn't print enough pamphlets, so hardly anyone turned up except for my mom and her boyfriend who I hate. That's a good one, Marsh. I like that. And Korg is played by uh, the director, so I'd love to work with him. That I did not know. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Jared, let's let's hear yours. My character is going to be none other than Odin. Oh. Ah. I know. It's very ambitious, but The big part, the god of gods. Hear me out. We find Odin in this movie spending his twilight years in Norway, mm-hmm. the place where his heritage leads back to. I'd like to think of him spending those his final years crossing some things off of his bucket list. Mm. And one of those things is a culinary tour <laughs> of Norway. Oh, nice. nice. Very much akin to the two films by Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, The Trip. I've never seen that. The Italian Trip. They're really good. It's just two guys that go on a road trip to review restaurants. After Coogan's romantic relationship falls apart, the person that he wanted to bring on the trip, he ends up bringing his friend Rob. And he's a little annoyed with him. So I see that as being a part of Odin's final days, where he, he takes one of his good friends, and they travel across Norway by car and try all of the pickled herring. <laughs> yeah, they can find that famous Perfect. Norwegian cuisine. Yeah, all mm. the Norwegian cuisine, all of the I don't know, like rotting eggs. And, <laughs> I don't salted even know. meats. I think I'm gonna get into cooking Norwegian food. Ew. I wonder what it's like. That'll change the smell of our apartment. <laughs> anyway, so Odin, it's Odin's take on human food uh, across Norway and the comedy that ensues as he travels with his other god friend. I'm actually a colossal fan of your idea, and let me tell you why. Are you familiar with the show slash books, uh, American Gods? Yeah, actually I am. You are? Yeah, it, but it, I, haven't, I haven't read them, but I'm familiar with that story. I haven't seen the show, but I've, I've read the books. They're incredible. By, they're by Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. and one of the main characters is Odin, who goes by the name Mr. Wednesday, and it's kind of showing him interacting with the modern world. That's In cool. that book, Odin is shown as kind of this mischievous old man who uses his like magic very subtly to kind of move things in his favor and generally just fuck around in a way that he wants Mm -hmm. and he's a very compelling character so if we were able to do that with sir anthony hopkins i would be like all over that especially in norway where they would go ape shit if they found out that he's actually odin yeah that would be awesome okay so those are some those are three very different but pretty cool 
ideas. Yeah. I think it's time to, to make a decision. Well, obviously, I love mine, but I think Disney is a little bit bogged down with... Uh, with Other Star Wars movies. Exactly. And, and origin stories in particular. True. They, mm. they just released the Han Solo one. They've got The Mandalorian coming out. They've got one about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. I think we could take a break from that. I'm going to throw my hat behind Jared's. Mm. I was going to do that, too. It's a little bit of a different flavor than we usually run with. We're always kind of action adventure Big time, yeah. Uh, okay, I think that this is, has a little slight humor to it. Uh, okay. All yeah. Right. It's, yeah. Something, it's, a, it's a Disney movie maybe for the older crowd. Yeah, something to kind of ease them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want your grandpa to really get into Thor, then you're going to want to show him this movie first and then say, oh, okay, I'll jump into <laughs> Thor. And now we watch these buff boys punching each other. <laughs> <laughs> but first, we'll talk at your le- level. I feel like we cover a lot of demographics, and the elderly is not <laughs> one of them that we've really That's spent true. time with. Well, guys, I just want to thank you for picking this film. This is sort of a uh, passion piece, if you will, uh, because I love travel, and I love mm-hmm. food, and I love Norse mythology. <laughs> so this is Your three yeah. passions. This really captures all the things that I, I really care about. Um, and, and I pictured it, as I already said, I pictured it as akin to The Trip by Steve Coogan. I think that that movie is really great. It's It's mellow but it has a very cool aesthetic and i want it to to follow along with that as well Mm -hmm. so what i'm thinking is in his twilight years odin has decided to live it out in norway even though he was under the spell by loki yeah i think that he comes out of it quicker than he lets on in the in the film yeah that's i I like that i like that a lot But he finds that this is where his origin is this is his homeland he's going to stay in norway and not return to Asgard uh, as he uh, finishes his life. But he wants to do one last thing with his buds. (laughs) And so he he invites his best friends from other mythology. I like that. I like that. Because then it's not like him just chilling with some mortal. Right. It's people who can understand him. Yeah, and I think what's key is that the religions and the mythology that he's going to be partnering with are all sort of faded theology. So he's going to invite his best friends from Greek and Egyptian mythology to go on this trip with him and experience the culinary world, the exciting culinary (laughs) world of Norway. Well, you know that Norwegians are a hearty people because one of their most famous dishes is soaked in lye. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, Luke Fish. I want to have two buddies with him. Okay. Uh, because I want them to be a, a little diversified and, and have uh, different origins. So I'm thinking that the two gods that will accompany him will be Hephaestus. Oh, interesting. Who is the blacksmith in Greek mythology. Yeah. And Amon ra who is the god of sun and moon in, I like in a lot. Egyptian mythology. I, I like the Hephaestus choice a lot because he's different from, well, first of all, from Odin and from a lot of the other gods in that he is like this labor he's a little bit gruffer yeah he's got this limp from being cast from mount olympus yeah so that's it's an interesting fleshed out character obviously odin is going to be played by anthony hopkins that's a given yeah yeah and i know he was hesitant about coming back for thor ragnarok Mm -hmm. until he read the script but i think if you Mm -hmm. told him look you're just going to be in a car eating food yeah Yeah. 
I think he would he would definitely take that role. Yeah. So who should play Hephaestus though? Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer is a good character. I I do love I love that idea. Especially feel like he would be suited to play a god. Yeah, oh definitely. But I think that the personality that we're going with with Hephaestus or we're going for with Hephaestus, it doesn't necessarily suit his kind of higher class style. That's true. He's never really been any character other than a version of Frasier. I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't see <laughs> a derivative of Frasier being a blacksmith. That's true. No, you're right. I just kind of want to cast, I want to pitch Kelsey Grammer more because I love him. Yes. But you're right. He's not perfect for Hephaestus. I, I'm thinking, and let me know what you think about this. I'm thinking the great actor Rip Torn. <laughs> oh. What do you guys think of, of that? Dodgeball fame. Mm-hmm. Dodgeball fame and Men in Black. I think I like that he it. would be great as a as like a gruff. I love that. Yeah, kind of. I'm like into it. Rough around the edges. And I think he'll always be kind of shitting on the culinary experiences that they go to, and and uh, and making fun of Odin. And and I'm trying to think of somebody to play Amon Ra. He's Egyptian god. Um, Marshall, do you have any ideas? Something around the same age range. I have. Mm, let's see. Morgan Freeman. Oh. Good, good choice, Marshall. That's a really good... I actually like that a lot, Marshall. Morgan Freeman is very suited for playing God. He's done it on multiple occasions. Yep. Uh, yeah, I hmm. think that he, w- he would be a really great character in there. Morgan Freeman recently has been in a lot of movies where it's just him with a group of old people, usually involving Michael Caine. Of course. And honestly, they're kind of shitty. And it's the writing and the unrealistic storyline. So I feel like if we gave him hmm. that choice, he clearly likes playing those roles, but made it a little bit... Um, just better. made it a generally better movie. <laughs> yeah, a better movie for him to play that role in. I would feel really good about that. Well, I think that... Zach Efron's their sexy young companion. <laughs> <laughs> He's their driver. He's their driver. He plays Apollo. No. They have to drive themselves, and that'll be a part of the humor, the dry humor that this movie is surrounded with. And they go across the country of Norway trying some fantastic dishes like smoked boiled sheep head. Oh, fuck. And a myriad of dried fish. Everything is either air dried or salted in Norwegian culture, and that's that's wonderful. I can I can really picture their their expressions as they try these things. But <laughs> along the way, there are some Michelin star restaurants like oh, wow. uh, Memo in uh, in Oslo, and there's also some. Uh, one-star Michelin restaurants across the country, so they'll have to visit those. It'll be Definitely, fun. Definitely, yeah. They'll, they'll also go to a uh, a new restaurant that will be owned by Guy Fieri. Oh uh, my God! Well, I, I I know he needs to be in this film, but what, what do you think the restaurant would be called? <laughs> I'm actually glad you asked because I recently looked up the names of Guy Fieri restaurants, as you do, and he seems to follow a theme. One of his restaurants is called Johnny Garlics, and the other one is called uh-huh. Tex Wasabi. Uh-huh. So he likes names <laughs> followed by, like, types of cuisine. So I think if he named his Butch Harry... <laughs> Sorry. What if Guy Fieri named his restaurant Butch Herrings? Butch Herrings? Yep. He just makes the same American food, but maybe adds herring. I can, uh, I can get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> Butch Herrings. It was indeed hilarious. <laughs> Here's the thing. This... This movie isn't just about a jovial romp through Norway and trying new foods and that. It has that component of it, but that does not make a compelling film. Yeah. 
that makes a like TV series. That makes for like yeah, an NPR documentary. So what I think huh. needs to happen is their conflict has to be coming to terms with the fact that their godhood or their allegiance from their people is, is sort of over. Yeah, that makes sense. And although people still celebrate them as a part of history, they're no longer prayed to or relied upon. Yeah. yeah. And so each one of them is coming to terms with this new life. And Odin has agreed to it, I think, earlier than the other two because he's on this final bucket list trip. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah. but along right. the way, they encounter humanity that makes them happy again. Like, they were the forefathers of modern theology, and they were the ones that created the earths and the heavens, really. And, uh, and they did a good job because they see, <laughs> oh, even though this food is smoky and salty... But people are enjoying it and, and having a good time. Yeah, this it's thriving. Yeah. I can kind of picture this last scene when they're at a very famous landmark in Norway called Swords in Rock, which is kind of an homage to Vikings and, and conquest. And they and they are looking out over the water and they're feeling kind of more at peace. Yeah. When there are three swords stuck in the rock and they'll just be like yeah, that all represent there. one of those guys. I yeah. think it's very fitting. That's really good. So I think that that's that, that coming of age and that overcoming your own internal de- either depression or, or, or feeling of loneliness yeah. Is, yeah. is what the conflict and, and resolution centers on. I like that a lot. So can I pitch something to you guys just to kind of uh, tie this a little bit more back into the original movie that we watched for this episode? Yeah, because it's a, it's a Marvel uh-huh. film. So. Yeah, we can't forget that. I think we should throw in... A Marvel character mm-hmm. to show that this still this is still part of the the cinematic universe. I think that character should be Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. because in Thor Ragnarok he has a great small scene. It's funny, like he has a really good interaction and chemistry with Thor. But at the end, you find out that Doctor Strange knows where Odin is. He's yeah. the one that tells them, like just seemingly out of nowhere, he's in Norway. Yeah. I think it would be interesting if maybe at one of their restaurants, Doctor Strange just appears and has a conversation with Odin about, you know, like... Returning to Asgard and... Exactly. He's like, I'm the protector of Earth. This is obviously none of my business, but you know Loki's ruling Asgard and, like, there's a little bit of turmoil going on. That's smart. And then Odin can explain to him kind of the point of their trip and what he's going for in the long term. Like, Ragnarok is coming. It's going to be okay. I like that because I think that it points to them still being ultra wise and prophetic. Yes. And yeah. that they, they still they know what they're doing, even though they're these old and, and and fading gods, they still see the broader picture and they're they're still like great. Oh guys, we forgot. What do we forget? There has to be a oh, Jeff no. Goldblum cameo. This is gonna be a tough one. Duh. No, I don't think so. I, I think Jeff Goldblum should play a obnoxious waiter that they encounter encounter in one of the Michelin star restaurants. Yes. That's really funny. And then they should like kind of screw with him with like their abilities and their magic. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. There, there we go. I mean, that's cut. That's it. That's yeah. It. That's he can have just like a small role because obviously he's the grandmaster in this universe. Yeah. But he's also like, oh hi guys. Yeah. What can I get for that's you? Good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. We gotta have him. Gotta have. Him. All right, we need to name this film. Yep. What do you What do you think, Bryn? God damn it. <laughs> God's cuisine. Cuisines of God. Cuisines of God. What about? Let's see. Something to do with Norway. Maybe like 
tore away. Food and fjords. Fjords and fjords. Fjords and fjords. <laughs> Food and fjords. That's a really hard thing to say. That's really good. Food it's and it's and impossible fjords. to say correctly. It might not be good on a movie poster. Nah. But I think that sounds good. The pros, it kind of sums up the movie pretty well. Cons, it's impossible yep. to say. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm looking at some natural wonders in, in Norway, and there's a thing called Odin's chair. So what if we did something like Odin's table? I kind of like that. I like and We that could movie. subtitle it Food and Fjords. Odin's table, food, food, food and fjords, and food and fjords. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that? I like that. So that Odin's works. table, food and fjords. And I like the subtitle yeah. because it could potentially set us up for sequels if they, like, go to Egypt. <laughs> That's true. Okay. All right. All right. Odin's, so Odin's table. Odin's Fjordsen. <laughs> Odin's Fjordsen. We're not friends and I don't give a shit about your games. I'm going back to Asgard. Asgard. One, two, three, four. All right. We only have one thing left to do for this final episode of, of season two. And that is to wisely use our million dollars. Marshall, I'm going to start with you. So I had the idea to use my million dollars to make an introductory video and possibly a ride to just like the one that Thor goes on before he meets the Grandmaster. And it would be, <laughs> you know, oh, introducing really Marshall Kata. Ah, that's a really good that. idea. That's great. So it would be like a track that you set up in your home. Yeah, you know. And the people would sit down. It would show videos of you passing by. <laughs> he plays piano. Plays he sings. He's yeah. on a podcast. Oh my he God, podcasts. That's really, that's really funny. That's a brilliant way to use a million dollars. And you know it's been done yeah. before because I've heard that's just the entryway to Jeff Goldblum's house. It's yeah. preparing you to meet him. So you could hire the same contract. Just get that guy. Congratulations. You will meet the Grandmaster in five seconds. Prepare yourself. That's a good one, Marsh. I like that a lot. That's really good. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. I was very much influenced also by the Grandmaster. And I appreciated the fact that he had basically created his own UFC fighting tournament <laughs> and, like, league. So I don't know if I can create my own fighting league, but with a million dollars, $1.25 million, dollars, mm -hmm. Yep. I can find a fighter for UFC. A young upstart. A young upstart. Train them with the best technology and the best trainers. And then I will put them in the octagon. And I'll bet. I'll use my half of that to train them. And half of my money to bet on him to win. That's just smart money. Actually, awesome. what would be better is if I told him to lose. And I bet on him to lose. Now it's a mob racket. Yeah. That is, wow. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Wow. That's that where the real brilliant. money comes wow. from. That's brilliant. Ooh. Ooh. So I make so much more money that way. That's no, 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 no. I believe, I believe in my guy. I believe in my champion. In your boy. I believe in my boy. He's my champion. I'm going to bet on him to win after all our training, raised from childhood, a young UFC fighter. Oh, you don't even want someone that's like, oh, he's got potential. In the no, gym. no, I, I, I'd rather that. Yeah, yeah I, don't want to have to, I don't want to have to raise a kid. Yeah, that'll be I my like ultimate champion. Idea. It'll make you some money, and that's like an expensive life to get into. Yeah. It's a lot of training, so mm -hmm. it's a good one. True. I was inspired to use my million by the fact that, as I mentioned before, when Thor and the Valkyrie and, and Bruce Banner, no longer the Hulk, have to escape Sakaar, 
they have to use one of Jeff Goldblum's high-tech ships. And they find out, I think after they get on, that he uses this ship mostly for orgies. Yep. Awesome. So I'm going to use my money to buy a Jeff Goldblum-esque orgy yacht. Uh, orgy yacht. Interesting. That just Brendan's orgy yacht. Jeff Goldblum. Fantastic. Yeah. It will have pictures of him because... Obviously. That's how you Why not? <laughs> how else do you? <laughs> because how else does one climax? How else? <laughs> That's mine. Really smart. Thank you. <laughs> what a show. What a night. Who's having fun? Guys, I don't think there's anything left to do in season two. No. I think we've, we nailed it. I think we pretty much nailed it. I, I, there's going to be some additional stuff that comes out uh, during the off-season we're going to be hopefully interviewing some new celebrities, uh, hopefully some that aren't in our family. <laughs> That's the but those are great celebrities, too. Oh, yeah. And watching more movies and giving our reviews of uh, films that are in, in theaters. With that said, I think there's nothing left to do. Brendan, sign us off this one last time for season two. We'll be back for season three. Here we go. Thank you all for listening. For Bit Party and the Cotta Brothers, I'm Brendan Cotta. I'm Jared Cotta. And I'm Marshall Cotta. Watch out for Odin's Table, Foods and Fjords, coming to a theater near you. Thank you all so much for listening to Season 2 of Bit Party. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at BitPartyPod. If you'd like to send us an email, we're BitPartyPod at gmail.com. This episode was produced by the very talented T. Coop. You can check out his music on his website now. Just go to tcoopmia.com. That's T-C-O-O-P-M-I-A dot com. Season 2 may be over, but be on the lookout for new episodes of our Bit Party Shorts, Bit Party Goes to the Movies, and Trivial Pursuit. Our regular episodes will be back this summer. Until then, we're the Cotter Brothers, and this has been Bit Party. Our ode to the bit parts that stole our hearts.